Hello and welcome to another episode of Chasing Excellence. My name is Patrick Cummings, and as always, I am here with Ben Bergeron. Every week on the show, we dedicate some time to exploring how we can live a life of better health and increased fulfillment. We answer your questions about the five factors of health, dive deep on living a life of excellence, and explore the strategies and frameworks to help us chase what truly matters. Thank you, as always, for joining us. How the heck are you, Ben? I'm doing good. Thanks, Patrick. We've got a good one this week. We've got uh, listener questions about prehab, eating when we're young versus when we're not so young, the benefits of massage guns and more. Our workout is going to uh, also be a listener question about how to talk with loved ones about the pursuit of excellence. And then lastly, uh, at the end of the show, we're going to catch up on our 30 days of kindness challenge that we did last month uh, and chat about how that went. Cool. Let's do it. Love Let's it. jump right into the warm up. We start each episode with your questions about the five factors of health, those few fundamental behaviors that most positively affect our performance, vitality, and longevity. Those five factors are how we eat, how we move, how we think, connect, and how we recover. Let's jump right in to a question from Maxine, which is in the move bucket, the move category, given the importance of prehab to avoid injuries, but without, uh, but knowing everyone has different uh, unique needs, is there a series of generic exercises that you would recommend for the average CrossFitter, for example, rotator cuff, hip stability, glute activation drills, et cetera? Yes, there is. And I don't have an affiliation with these guys, but I am a, a huge proponent of the protocol because of the simplicity and thus the compliance from the protocol. And that is, um, Maxine actually said it in it. Um, it's basically shoulders and hips. They're the biggest, most important things. They're the, um, two of the three, um, kind of 360 degree sockets. The other one could be, it's not a ball and joint, but, um, your ankle can move that way. And it's important, but the biggest things we want to pay attention to is hips and shoulders and crossover symmetry has a phenomenal protocol for both of those. Each one takes about four and a half minutes to get through. So really not a whole lot of excuses to why not to do it before your training session. And it does exactly what Maxine says. It will not only help to activate, there actually is a level of flexibility that comes through it, which is kind of um, not intuitive. And um, certainly it helps mitigate injuries and improve performance. So I'll give a really short story behind this. Um, we've told this before on this podcast, but uh, years ago, my wife, Heather, was on our team. She tore her rotator cuff leading up to regionals and was unable to do anything overhead. Unfortunately, the the workouts that popped up at the games, two of the workouts was a one rep max snatch and a max distance uh, relay. It wasn't a max distance, it was a relay walk um, for time between the, on your hands. I don't think I said that walk. That'd be really, that'd be <laughs> so early exciting. Days CrossFit games. Yeah. It was just walking. We're just walking a relay walk, uh, walking on your hands is a relay. So leading up to regionals, and this was about five or six weeks out from regionals. She was unable to snatch and unable to walk on her hands, but she did the crossover symmetry protocol three times every single day. And at regionals, she PR'd her snatch and PR'd her handstand walk, having not practiced those at all. So I'm a huge advocate because of the efficacy of the protocol. Um, Since that time, they've also come up with something very, very similar and equally as effective for hips. So shoulders and hips. And that's where I would start as a general macro suggestion for everybody. I got crossover symmetry for my birthday. It was a gift from my sisters. And this is just because I thought it was funny, but I, I just, you know, typical me, I just Busted it out, started using it, and then it took me three days to remember the crossover part. <laughs> <laughs> it's not just a clever name. No, it's You're not supposed just to actually crossover. There's a reason that they yeah. called it that. And it does work. It's it's <clears throat> actually a set. It's not just the movements. It's the movements in the order. It's the protocol for it. Um, there's a uh, there's a lot of uh, magic. If you have any sort of like your shoulder starts to feel junky a little bit, two days of that moves the needle. It's really pretty pretty impressive. Awesome. All right. Uh, question from Brooke in our think category. I would love some advice for someone who believes in the in uh, the chasing excellence mindset, but also just had a baby a few months ago. I feel caught between unwavering discipline and grace, and it's uncharted territory. Mm. Yep. Interesting choice of words. The the great the the, yeah, the it's, difference between unwavering discipline and grace. So I don't know. Maybe that's worth picking apart. I actually think them. that that is so. Um, chasing excellence 1.0 mm-hmm. was probably more the discipline. Yep. Right, which was what we were looking for at that point um, was achievement. Like 
what are we going to do? And it's about the grit. It's about the tenacity. It's about the discipline. It's about outworking other people. Well, the way that this has evolved after this conversation, what's been going on for five, six, seven years is we've added in the levels of grace yeah. and we've added in the, the, the lack of the, judgment and fulfillment, like the actual, like, because what we found is, yeah, you can chase the accolades, awards, and applause. We can chase the achievement, but if you don't have, if you don't begin with the end in mind, you might cross that finish line, look back and go, well, for what? And what other bridges did I burn along the way? And and the idea behind the 2.0 version of Chasing Excellence, if we want to call that, is what the, the listeners talking about, which is the grace, but it's also the, 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 the second aspect of the, the common question, which is the balance between those two things. We're not saying leave your job, leave your spouse and go build a cabin in Montana. We're not saying remove yourself from society. We're actually saying the exact opposite. Mm -hmm. Let's be the biggest contributors to our teams and our organizations and our professions. Let's become as proficient as we possibly can in our careers. And let's be the best moms and whatever else we can be. That the challenge then becomes the balance between all of those things. And that is what the excellence aspect is. It's excellence across your life, across all of your roles and responsibilities. This is the challenge because we found is people that listen to this show, people that do CrossFit, they're go-getter. Like we don't have to work on the grit and the tenacity. Mm -hmm. That's who we are. We're willing to do the work. Like you say, don't eat sugar for 30 days. People are like, got it. I'm on it. Like that's a different set of people. Most people go like, okay, I'll try Can that. Can I do it for 22 days? And then, <laughs> and then after two or three days, they're done. That's not our people. Like Fran, yep, let's do it. Oh, you want me to do it on a weight vest today? Cool. How about with a mask? Mm-hmm. Like we can do those things. Mm-hmm. It's not, a, we're not scared of the hard work. So once you, which by the way, to me is like level one, you have to get there. It's what, um, uh, Angela Duckworth talks about, which is grit, which is a passion and per- perseverance uh, across time. So people that don't give up on things, that do it with heart and do it with discipline. Cool. I, that's I think uh, most of us here are that. So if we have that, cool, we're on rung number two. Now, how do we bring that across to the all the aspects of our lives to make sure we don't go too far down one of those rabbit holes? So if her grit and tenacity, if her discipline is all about training and nutrition, and that's going to be at odds with her ability to bring patience, love, and kindness, compassion, and presence, actual time to her family now that she has a family, that's the challenge. That's what we got to work with. So the way to get there is, and I know that this sounds like it's too easy and soft of an answer, is awareness. You have to know the framework, you have to know the buckets, and you have to know how much you're pouring into each bucket. And we talk about those buckets all the time, and we have to understand where we're putting our energies. Those buckets, everyone gets to decide what those buckets are for themselves, by the way. It could be career, family, friends, faith, health, um, you ha- hobbies, like you... you passions, pursuits, you fill, decide what they are. And we want to make sure that we're filling those up as equally as possible, thus the challenge. And then making sure that along the way, we're not getting rattled. We're not getting distracted when something comes up and maybe spills one of those buckets over a little bit. And, or there are times to put a little bit more effort and energy into one bucket than the other. And we're not going to let that rattle or distract us away from our overall goals either. So the case in point right now is I'm putting a little bit more effort into work. We've talked about this. It's very tempting for me to give up my morning routine completely. I've, I've like had this internal conversation like, nope, because now I moved from the 8.30 class that I used to take and I used to start my day. I'm now taking the 6.30 class. Mm-hmm. So it's really tempting to go, well, yeah. So I now I get to get out of the house earlier. So there goes the morning routine. Well, I have had to sacrifice parts of it. 
but I'm holding on to other parts just so I have that part of the bucket still still something in that bucket still. And you're doing it with, to your point, you're doing it with the awareness necessary. You're not throwing it out like, ah, it doesn't work. You're You're instead saying, what is my reality? What choices can I make that are different, even if they're difficult, to keep me in balance as best as I can? Absolutely. Balance is a balance, centeredness, um, really key aspects to a life of excellence. Next question is from the E category from Don. Should we be as mindful what uh, of what we eat at a younger age as much as when we are older and why? So the unfortunate answer to this is yes, you do. Um, and the reason people aren't as mindful is the same reason is the same reason that when you're young, you can work out really hard without being as sore the next day. You can jump into a workout really quickly without warming up as much beforehand. When you're older, the things that are happening to your body are just magnified. Mm. That's just the nature of it. It's the same thing with when we're putting foreign substances inside of our body and asking it to digest it and use it for energy. when we put that food into our body, we're act, we are we are either doing the best possible thing we can for our body, or we're doing the worst possible thing we can for our body. We're putting pounds of food in and asking our body to use that in a productive way. If we're young and you eat crappy, the danger is you don't feel crappy because your body can handle it just like it can handle not warming up and it can handle a big too big of a workout. But when you're older, if you jump into a workout too fast, you feel it. And or you do too much, you feel it. Same with food. You eat crappy food when you're older and oh my God, you really feel it. Therein lies the danger because people go, it doesn't matter when you're young because you don't feel it. That because it doesn't, you don't feel it, doesn't mean it's not causing harm and effect. Or I should say on the other side, or helpful, right? Mm-hmm. Let food be, be that medicine. It can be your greatest healer or greatest poison. What we have to realize is the quality of food that we eat when we're younger is, and I'll back it up even more. The food that your the mother consumes even pre-pregnancy, and then obviously during pregnancy matters a, a ton, a ton, a ton. And then early on, babies that are fed off of, you know, think of like, a, it would make sense when you talk about this. It's like, as a baby, you get it. It's really important. You don't give your baby pixie sticks Mm -hmm. and pure sugar and crappy oils and processed foods, hopefully. (laughs) So why would it change then when you become eight years old, 12 years old, and 16 years old? The answer is it doesn't. Mm -hmm. It is always important. The only thing I would add is that I think if you don't build in the habits and the identity early on, it it, to to this to your point, it gets a lot harder later as well. You know, we see a lot of people, they get to 45, 50, they're like, I got to do something. And they're starting from almost nothing Mm -hmm. to build habits, to just even just understand what, what does a meal look like? What does eating better look like? And if you can just skip, or you, if you can just start that early, if you can just invest in that idea early, at least when you're 30, 40, 50, when you start to maybe to your point to feel it, Then you're like, oh, yeah, I know what to do. Like, I just need to dial this in a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. From Tim in the recover bucket, what are the benefits of massage guns if there are any? They, so there are. There are benefits. They work just like foam rolling works, just like going and get um, soft tissue work done by a professional, whether that's a chiropractor, ART, or massage, or um, rolfing, or whatever it might be. There is benefits to all types of body work is particularly soft tissue stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, So massage guns are no different. Um, One of the, so I would kind of put it, if you can and you can afford it, I would get professional body work done. Like that's the best. Like Tom Brady, one of the reasons he's done what he's done is because he has one of the best professional body workers in the world working on him literally three times a day. That's going to, that's going to have a lot of Benefits Assuming you don't have access to that. So let's assume that you don't have access to that. Well, can you get it once a week? Most of us can't even do that. Can you get it once a month? That helps. Okay. The next one down would be things like this. Like it's, they're, they're expensive, but it's a one-time cost and they help. They, they certainly help. They can help, um, 
uh, break up its essentially without getting too much of the science of it. Um, the brain signaling to the muscles mm. um, through that repetitive vibration. You're kind of breaking up the pain sensory thing, which people go like, well, whatever, I can deal with pain. Well, that is what signals like the end range of motion. Mm. So if you break up that cycle, you actually have gained access to bigger ranges of motion, which is a huge aspect to, to what we do. They can speed up recovery. They can um, um, lower pain and they can help performance. So there are benefits. Cool. Love it. Last question is from Danielle in our Connect uh, Factor. As a gym owner, do you think it's okay to hang out with your members outside of the gym? And where do you draw the line? Uh, I do think it's okay. I think it's important um, to do that. Um, but I don't think it's um, um, beneficial to have that be your only fr- group of friends mm. and to um, be all of their best friends. Mm-hmm. And I actually think it's part of the evolution of a coach. So in the early days, you are going to be, and you should be their best friends. That's part of it. But as your leadership roles and responsibilities evolve and grow, you're going to have less of... A chance. I don't know what the right word is there. Less um, opportunity. Um, on purpose, it's part of the design to be there all the time with them in a social aspect because it's kind of a parent is not supposed to be the kid's best friend. Mm-hmm. They have different roles. They're supposed to do different things. They have to dis. You have to discipline your children appropriately in the right way. That's not what the role of a best friend is. Mm-hmm. So if you want to grow from a friend to truly being a coach and or a leader, that that relationship needs to evolve. And when that happens, you're not going to be there all the time in the friend role. Mm-hmm. Now, does it make sense for you to still be friends with some of your... Yes, my best friend is a member of the gym. So that hasn't changed. The thing that has changed is... I used to hang out every Friday and Saturday night with all of my coaches and all my members. That's changed drastically where that doesn't happen really much more than once a quarter now. It's, 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 it's the exception, not the rule. But you can still have your close friends that are in the gym, just not that being the norm. And where would I draw the line? That's for each person to navigate on their own, right? Um, I don't think it's, inappropriate for you to find the love of your life as a member of your gym, marry them and have five kids and sail off into the sunset happily ever after. Like what, why would that be? That seems to be like a great place for shared values, but I think it might be inappropriate for you just to sleep with a different person every Friday and Saturday night. That doesn't. So where do you want to kind of find that line in between the two? All right. Let us then jump into our workout. We have another question from a listener, a little bit longer one, but I'm going to read the whole thing. I want to let you know, uh, you and Ben know your podcast has changed my life uh, and thinking. I live in a much more, uh, I live a much more stress and anger-free life at home and at work. You all gave me purpose in life by making me understand what to strive for. I would love to know what your take is on how to communicate this to my husband and family. My husband lives a stress-free life, LOL, but I feel like he's not aiming for anything. I don't think it's bad, but I want him to understand that I am and there are sacrifices I need to make so we can have a better life later on. And so we actually touched on this a little bit in in the in one of the questions um, that we talked about today. But what I thought about when I looked at that question or when I read the question was a little bit of a an interesting parallel or an interesting uh, expansion of the conversation we had a few weeks, months ago, where we just talked about kind of chasing excellence 2.0, what that looks like. And so to me, it feels like this is an interesting conversation about maybe that that conversation, again, which you kind of touched on today, which was nice. Um, like, what do we mean by chasing excellence? So that's kind of the idea of it. And then how do you communicate that? How do you discuss that with somebody who if there are anybody out there who doesn't listen to this podcast, which I don't believe, but, hmm. <laughs> but for somebody who doesn't, 
who doesn't understand it, who, uh, to, to Carla's point, her, whose husband lives a stress-free life, LOL. Um, like, how do you begin to bridge that conversation so that somebody else understands where you're coming from, why you're making the decisions you are, why you're saying yes to what you are, why you're saying no to what you are? It starts with understand. So it, it starts with perspective. And this pursuit is not right for everyone. The husband is equally, as if he's living a stress-free life and enjoying it along the way, who's to say that the spouse who wants achievement and success and is a hard driver is the better pursuit? It's not. Like if somebody who does want to go, and we, I just watched this short film about this um, brilliant mathematician from MIT and Stanford that basically could have been the next Einstein, instead chose to live in a rainforest in, in, in Hawaii and just like swim with dolphins, literally live in a rainforest with no home, like just in the jungle. Like who's to say that that's not now people go like, well, where's he contributing to society? It's like, well, he might be contributing to society in very different ways by sharing this pursuit. Like it's just, you know, you don't have to create, 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 create to have value. But it understands from the perspective that different people have different values and it doesn't make them right or wrong, but until you understand someone else's values, it's going to continue to clash. Mm -hmm. So imagine you're looking for a spouse, someone to marry, you're dating and you are very into hunting. It's a big thing that you believe is actually good for agriculture, the environment, you believe it's the best way to have health. It's, it's a way to save animals because you get to, right? You believe all of those things, but you don't share that with anybody that you're dating. And then you end up falling in love with somebody, or at least deciding to tie the knot and spend the rest of your life with somebody. And they don't share with you that they extremely value the lives of animals. They're a vegan and they're a part of PETA, mm-hmm. who it's like, any sort of cruelty to animals is, you know, um, a, a, a slap in the face of God himself. So, well, no matter how much you guys, how much affection and how much attraction you guys have for each other, those differing set of values are going to erode that relationship. So you have to understand people. And if, if you never talk about that and you don't talk about like why, why you like hunting and she doesn't talk about why she likes protecting animals... That's going to be a really difficult relationship to navigate. So this is where we need to start with this conversation. It's not, this is why we should go and um, try to create, you know, more work ethic and hunger. And this is what we need to start with understanding, let them know, let your spouse know what it is you value. Mm -hmm. Like this is part of what I believe is important in my life. And then, Ask them what they believe is important in their lives. And if they go, yes, I believe that, um, you know, building and creating and um, maximizing my potential contribution to society is massively important. Then you go, so I'm curious then, um, why are we spending so much time not doing that? And you go like, oh, maybe you pop the lid off and the guy goes, oh my gosh, I never actually thought of that. I thought it was more just about the stress-free life, but... We need to start with that value set. Until we have a good understanding of what people are coming to the table with, values, what do they think is important in their lives? That's what values are. What, like, what do you value? We're going to have a lot of miscommunication while we're trying to communicate our point of view. Thoughts on how to, uh, I mean, I, I like that. And I like that we're, we got straight to values. Thoughts on the challenges of I guess first understanding your own values mm-hmm. so that you can then, which is the second part, then communicate those values, especially maybe when you're young, like the idea of values is like, yeah, yeah, I've got those, but like, don't make me explain them too much. Cause I don't know that I can. Yeah. So just what are your thoughts on the process of, again, first internally understanding what actual values are not, you know, we've talked about before values being like, Oh, I put them on the, I put a, them on the wall and then there they are. Right. But like, what are actually my values? What dictate my decisions? And then how do I then turn those around and talk about them in a way that feels useful? What brings you joy 
not pleasure, two different things, not what brings you pleasure, what brings you joy and fulfillment. So working for me, working really hard, navigating and trying to create something entrepreneurial brings me a lot of joy. It can be painful as hell in the moment, right? <laughs> You, you work with, yeah. you you know it, hard conversations, frustrations, but man, that's such a fulfilling process. Mm. Then from there, when you find out what brings you joy and fulfillment, see if you can go back a couple dominoes and what's actual the base of that. So people go... Um, I value money. Mm-hmm. I, I, I want to earn a lot. I want to have a lot of earning potential. I want to um, be successful in my career. Well, if you stop there, then you think that it's all about earning a lot of money. When it might not be the money that you value, you might value the security that money brings to your family. And that you won't have to worry about something if something happens. Your kids can go to college without any um, reservations whatsoever of like getting, working their way through it or getting a scholarship or financial aid. Or it's the type of thing where you want to, if something happened to your family, you need to be by someone's bedside in a hospital for six months, you could leave it because you have that amount of, and this is actually where, where I am. I I value, when I go back a couple dominoes, it's freedom. Mm-hmm. Like the thing I value most more than anything else is freedom, which is that thing matters. So I, I go like, well, I'm, I really want to be with my family, but it's really, I want the freedom to be able to be with my family. If my kid is sick and needs to spend six months in a hospital, I want the freedom to be able to be there with them. On a much smaller scale, if my kid has swim practice on Wednesday at 4.30 in the afternoon, I want the freedom to be able to be there and drive them to that swim practice. If we want to be able to take a trip to go skiing, I want the freedom to be able to do that and basically to be able to make choices based off of what I I, I, I value. Yeah. Which is really interesting because I think that leads to one of the things that, that I think is I, I, I was curious to talk to you about, which is the connection between values and actions and how, and because, you know, Carla's question is, how do I, how do I, um, how do I talk to them? How do I talk to my family, about my husband about why I believe these things and why I do these things? And I wonder if talking about them, I, I, obviously there's, there's tons of, uh, of value in communicating these things, but I wonder if it's not more valuable. And I guess it's the question, which is, is it more valuable to simply show people your values? through your actions, through your decisions. And I think about that because I think about like freedom being a a primary value for you. Well, the decisions that need to come, the actions that need to come as, as a result of that sometimes are really hard, right? So, but they only, but they make sense as long as you tie them back to that value of freedom. I think you need to talk about them. If you just act upon them, things can get misconstrued very, very easily. We want to assign, as human beings, we want to assign meaning to different things. So you see your spouse acting a certain way and you assign meaning as to why they do that. You know, my my spouse goes to Zumba class every single day for two hours every afternoon. Like, wouldn't it be nice if she was a little bit, and she's, and if you talk about why that was, that's the way I'm trying to stay healthy. And the reason I want to stay healthy is so that I am not a liability to my family later on. It's not that it's self-serving. It's not about trying to look good in a bikini. It's mm-hmm. because I believe that this is a way for me to be there and provide. You have to explain things there. My husband likes to hunt. And the 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 rationale is, is because they get to go out in the woods with their buddies. They, they just like to be away from their family. Well, no, it's because... I want to provide for my family. This is the way that I feel like is the best way that we can do that is get the healthiest possible meat. I've been talking a lot about hunting. I've never hunted in my life, but it's a way that we can get the most, um, the cleanest possible meat with the least, with the best outcome for the environment and dot, 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 right? It's also a way for me to stay active and healthy, engage with nature. And if you explain why these things are and you explain what they are, the other reason is, you know, the, the, the saying is, 
if you're talking, you're not learning. Mm. I actually disagree with that. Like this podcast, we create frameworks and understandings. And as we're, we're chatting, anyway, it's talked deeply about things, understands that talking it out is a great- also an element of creation. Oh my God. In a massive way, you're figuring out things in real time. If you just listen, well, that's certainly important and it might be more than 50%, but it's not a hundred. And you talking things out and going, no, I, I really value my career. I really value my career. That's really important to me. Well, having someone go, mm. why, mm-hmm. is helpful. Yep. It's also it, can be hard. For sure. Finish your thought, because, yeah. But then it pushes you. That's exactly right. Yeah. They go, why? And you go, huh. Well, I thought it was because I wanted to feel respect. Okay, so wait. That's not your career. It's that you want to be respected. You value honor. You value respect. You value um, people's opinions. That's a re- that understanding is really, really big. So when you talk things out, it's, I mean, this is like the reason for therapy, right? Therapy, you don't go in there and listen to the therapist. You go out there and you talk. And through your talking, you come to certain realizations. That is a phenomenal way to figure out what is it that you value. Mm. And what's interesting about that to, to what I just said, but I think I'd love to pull on the thread a little bit, which is like, when you, when you, Say, okay, when you have the conversation, especially with a significant other or somebody you care about, and you're trying to under, you're trying to explain what your values are. I think sometimes the challenge of that or the discomfort, if that's the right word of it, is that you are then kind of on the hook for what you just said, right? I value freedom. I value contribution, whatever it is. Because now you've opened up a conversation where it's, where you've got to get a little pushback on that. Well, like, yeah, but what about this? And so you've got to really face yourself. And I think values are one of those things that, I think all of life is the pursuit of living closer to your values. Love that. And and the challenge is, is to recognize when you've let some of that stray in whatever way, depending on the value, depending on the whatever. Love that. And so the conversation Carla with her husband is going to be difficult because Carla is also going to have to face the times, the choices, the decisions she's made that might be contradictory to who she says she is. And that's really hard to do sometimes. Like it's a lot easier to say like my values are freedom, but then when you have to actually have the conversation about, well, what are you willing to do to pursue that value? Or is this in line with that or, value? Right. It seems like you said that you want this, but your actions yeah. are actually showing me this. Yep. Well, that's amazing. Yeah. That the right. conversation brings you close. So as long as you're willing to get feedback, that's the thing. Like yeah. if you're not willing to have feedback, then yep, guess what? The whole thing is going to be challenging. What's that thing? Your life. You're going to make this thing exponentially more challenging than it needs to be. Like let go of the ego of I need to be right. I need to be as close to perfect as possible. Neither of those things exist. There is no right. That's what we started the conversation off with. You're not right. There's just your ideas, which are formed through all of your different experiences that you've had. Someone, every experience you've had has just dropped a piece of garbage into your head that you hold on to and recycle that garbage over and over and over again. Well, only when we get back to that feedback and someone goes like, hey, what? And you start to shift through that a little bit and create some space and some clarity with somebody else. You get past the garbage. If you want to just hold on to it, yep. Listen to no one, do nothing. Like that's the way to, to, to hold on and be as um, immune to a hard conversation as possible. But that is not the way to live, if especially the conversation started with, I pursue excellence. I am a chasing excellence type person. How do I do? Well, it's having these conversations mm-hmm. and then accepting the ramifications of feedback and challenge and um, questioning of whether you are following through on those paths. And that's a beautiful and amazing thing. No different than any sort of business, right? Guys, we're going to try to do X, Y, or Z with our go-to-market strategy. And if you get no pushback. Like, where's the, where's the, where's the, the iteration? Where's the growth? Where's the betterment? Where's the, is this, could this be better? It's only through the shared conversations that we get there. Otherwise, it's just, this is my idea. We're running through it. And even someone as stubborn and sing, you know single pointed as Steve Jobs, 
got massive amounts of feedback along the way. He had a lot of really bad ideas, AKA the circular mouse, right? It's like, okay, through feedback, we're going to change that thing. Like we need that. We need to be pushed. We need to be questioned and understand that. um, We talk about this all the time because we're we we are comfortable enough to share what it is we're chasing doesn't mean we're going to be perfect chasing that all the time impossible mm-hmm. everyone stumbles everyone falls everyone trips everyone misses shots like we're not a god you are a human being human beings are fallible we're going to make lots of mistakes along the way but what we want to do is continue along the way progress with a greater understanding of what it is we're pursuing until we have a greater understanding of what that pursuit is, we're essentially spinning around in a circle. Our our goals, as you just said, is like it's understanding what those values are and trying to get our lives to match those as closely as we possibly can. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've mentioned the podcast. Um, I will teach you to be rich before, uh, a few episodes ago by uh, Ramit Sethi, who's also wrote a book of the same name. His sort of basic, the, the podcast is basically built around this concept that he has called the rich life, which is just the the vision of what you're what you're going to use money to do. And one of the things, and I think the reason he has on that show couples is because I think what he's found is that most couples are not having the conversation about not what your rich life is and not what her rich life is, but what is your rich life together? And I think what happens is just generally is, Oh, our rich lives are different. And I don't, and, and it's really hard to have a conversation about why my rich life is better than your rich life. And so let's just not have the conversation at all because mm-hmm. it never ends up in a place where we we feel like we've been heard and satisfied and we're moving in the right mm-hmm. direction, right? And so I say all that because I think values are, you know, to Carla's question, I think to a, to a degree that's we're having the same conversation. Maybe it's not the rich life, but it's the valuable life or it's the excellent life, whatever that is. And so I guess, we, you know, we've had Heather on and we we, de- we definitely did talk about this idea of shared values and building a life together towards the same kind of values. But maybe it might also be worth just kind of unpacking a little bit the process of having those difficult dis- conversations with a significant other when values to your example of the hunter and the vegan, like that's hard, but a lot of us, I think are probably not quite at those sort of extremes. They're just, there are differences, right? I want to yeah. use money in this way. I want to use I my time retire in and way. live in New York city right. and go to coffee shops. Right. I want to spend and more money. Somebody else wants to get a Winnebago and drive cross country. Right. Or I want to spend uh, more money on organic groceries and you want to spend it on it. whatever. <laughs> right. And so how do you start to bridge, how do you start to bridge those divides where it's not, uh, 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 it's the kind of conversation that is one plus one equals three. It's not my values. It's not your values. It's now our values. How do we get to a place where when we do have two people who have any amount of difference that's, that's causing some stress, <laughs> how do, like, what's the process by which we can begin to close those gaps? It seems like a good place to start would be to recognize that your values are not right. And the other person's values are not wrong. It's just a matter of what somebody finds important in their lives and what's somebody else. And then from there, it's a matter of collaboratively figuring out what ours are. And that could happen through big, hard, messy conversations. But if you let go of I need I want to win and mine are right, and we need I need to convince you that we're doing it my way then they're probably not going to be big and messy. It it just changes it a lot because Mm. we want to be our spouse's biggest fan and supporter. We want them to win. So it becomes a little bit more of like, I need to, I want to understand. It's not, I need to get you to understand mine. It's the opposite. Like, tell me more about why you want to buy organic food. Like, I, I, I just think that's a waste of money. Like, it doesn't seem to move that. I believe in organic fraud. Like, it doesn't seem to, matter at all. Tell me more about that. And the more you can seek to understand, the more, the the closer you will get to those, that, that shared understanding. And then from there, it can be a, a continuous evolution. It doesn't need to be okay. Like after that conversation, okay, honey, 
here's the extra $150 a week for the organic stuff. It doesn't need to be that at all. It can be, cool, I just have the conversation and then have it again and have it again. It's not like when they come home and go, so you bought the organic cheese sticks again, huh? <laughs> it's not that. Yep. It's um, it's so interesting. You know, it's more about, you know, I find it fascinating that you're so passionate about organic food. Tell me again why why this is is so important to you mm-hmm. and you feel like this is so important that we we raise our kids this way and let them and maybe they don't have an understanding. They're like, yeah. well, because Sally told me we should be buying this. Yep. Like, okay, that's kind of cool to like you pop the lid off that, but maybe that's not the case. And they do believe in their hearts that you know this is the most important thing that they could be doing. And okay, this is something that we might want to lean more towards them on this one. And then it doesn't need to be equal balance. It's not a scorecard. It's not now it's my turn to get a win. What you're trying to do is find out where should we be edging towards all of these different things. Mm-hmm. Different people have different approaches in terms of what what they are willing to and um, interested and excited to give and take. And there's certain things I think of our relationship, my relationship with Heather. Um, I've always been a shocker, but a really sound vision person. I knew like before I was, you know, I knew I was a kid, what I wanted to do on our vacations. <laughs> yep. Like I knew where yep. I want to be in the summer. I knew what we want to do. I know what our lifestyle wanted to look like. I know, I knew what street our house was supposed to be on. I knew, uh, like that we were like in terms of what we're gonna do for activities. I knew what we're gonna do for Thanksgiving and Christmas breaks and what we, and what we're going to do and how many nights we we're going to have family dinners. And I've always been kind of like tracking towards that literally, mm-hmm. but never forcing anything either. And I think that when you don't, for, cause we didn't have that for a long time, we didn't do any of this stuff for a long time, but I, it didn't, um, um, keep me from sharing why I thought these were important for us. And I shared, it wasn't just self-serving. It wasn't like, this is what we're going to do. Before it was happening, I was sharing why I thought these things were so important for us as a family. And when it came time to do those things, Heather was fully bought in because the conversation had been had dozens of times over half of a decade. Mm -hmm. And it was just in, it became a part of our lexicon. It became a part of our um, family, the way that we were knew we were going to grow into it. I love that. I think so much, so much of what we've been talking about today is, uh, um, so much of it comes back down to, I think one core tenant, which is that the goal is not to be right. The goal is to figure out what is right. And I think that these kinds of conversations that we have with significant others or just people in our lives who, who it could be with yourself. Yeah, that too. But the, the conversations force, and I mean that in the, in the best way possible, they force us to examine what we believe. They force us to say, because I believe this, am I living up to that this, this particular value? Could I do a better job of it? And I think so much of it comes down to, can I have those conversations without judging the other person? And can I have those conversations without judging myself, no matter what is exposed in those conversations? Whether it turns out like, yeah, I think organic vegetables are the best, but when you ask me why, like, because, because, <laughs> like, okay, that's that's uncomfortable to admit that this thing that I said was really important, I actually don't have much behind it other than just this belief that I have. Okay, well, now my job is to understand why do I believe this? Is it true? Is there, is the other person right in pushing back on it? Whatever it might be. But so much of it comes back down to putting yourself in a place where you drop the ego, will you drop the judgment, will you drop the, to your point, the the thought that I'm my job is to win this conversation. This isn't uh, an argument. This is the building of a plan. This is the building of a path. And until both people can be in that place, then I think that's all, there's always going to be the push of um, being judged. Don't ask me why I think this. I just do. Just do what I ask you to do. It'd be a lot better. Right. Until both people are in this place, both Carla and her husband are in a place where they are speaking the same language, just about the beginning of this conversation, then it's going to be really hard. If one of them is like, I'm, I'm not judgmental. I'm curious. I'm asking the question. And the other person's like, just stop asking me. Like, I've already told you what I want. Right. 
Yeah, I I would um um pull on one of those threads a little bit, which is until both. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that always uh, allows people the out mm-hmm. of like, well, you're not, you're not ready, you're not, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, good and point. to me, it's not when both. Yeah, it's when you. This is not like this is the ownership thing. The other partner doesn't have to be ready. The other partner could try to win the conversation, could try to get their way. It's when you let down all the things you said, mm-hmm. let down the guard, when you stop your ego, when you stop trying to be right, when you stop trying to win. That's when the doors open. Yep. One person, one person has to bring that to the conversation and only one. Mm-hmm. And until that one person does, it's never going to happen. So it's not when both are ready. It's when you are ready. Mm -hmm. And when you are ready, then it opens the door for both of you to walk through that to the greener pasture. All right. We're going to wrap it up there. Thank you, Carla. Uh, That was a cool question and uh, hopefully a cool conversation. Um, If anybody out there wants to get a question in the queue, just find me on Instagram. Send me a DM, P.S. Cummings, and I will get it into our show in some form or fashion down the road. Uh, Speaking of you fine listeners, we're going to do a quick shout out. Uh, Shout out is when we just read a note, uh, a review something that we've received recently from a listener, uh, mostly as a way to just say thank you, uh, for folks for sending or two folks for sending these things to us. This is from, uh, this is from run with wolves on Apple podcast, which is just podcast review. I've been listening to this podcast for at least four years. I've gotten some of the best book recommendations from it. I've gotten some of the best life advice from this podcast. I've, uh, I've gotten nutrition, sleep and training tips. I'm grateful for what I've learned. Keep growing and changing. I love the new format. And it's like, it's like every show is a greatest hits, huh. which is, uh, cool to hear so which is thank you which is overselling (laughs) but thank you running with wolves what a cool name run with wolves yes all right our cool down uh just to wrap this episode up we did last month a little bit more than a month just based on when we're recording this uh we did a 30 days of kindness challenge i would love your thoughts on how that went and i'll share mine obviously well you i always seem to go first with these (laughs) things why don't you share your thoughts okay so this was this was in the best way possible really eye-opening for me for a couple of reasons. One being it was a solid reminder that uh I <laughs> that I don't really engage with other people very often <laughs> by virtue of my life. Yeah. And I don't think that's a good thing. I think lots of it is like I'm happy like I did it on purpose. But I, literally as the month was going I'm like I don't have a stranger that I can do something nice to. Like literally, I just didn't have the moment, uh, the 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 possibility. Like I can keep being kind to my wife and my kids. Like I, at some point, I was like, okay, this doesn't count anymore. This is just me being a good person. Um, but there were just many days where I, I just didn't see anybody else. So one, that was just like, again, not a surprise to me certainly at all. But like, okay, maybe that's time to do something about that because there is a bit of a um, hibernation going on in my life that I don't think is always the best thing. But I will also say that it, that realization also triggered the thing that I ended up doing more than anything to give me the little check mark of, did I did this or do I, did I did this? Did I do this today? Which is that at the end of the day, I would just think about a friend who I haven't reached out to in a while and I would send them a note. Cool. And that's that other than like the occasional, like whatever throughout the day. And, um, those were the thing that one, meant the most to me. Like, I felt like I was actually like, okay, I'm this, this is right. And I think was the solve to a degree to the challenge, the issue that I first realized the first week or so I was like, I don't, I don't know. I'm going to do this. <laughs> um, but that was ultimately the the solve is, is just thinking about somebody usually it was during my workout and I wrap up the workout, just send them a note. That's cool. Just say, I was thinking about you or hope you're doing well or whatever. You can almost do that like every day, right? You can absolutely do that every day. That might be yeah. one of my trackables that I started adding. Yeah. I've thought about more and, and more. Was, I like that a lot. Yeah. And I will I will say I started doing one thing, which is um, instead of just a text message, I would send people a voice message, mm. which well, I've never done before. But your I actually voice, thought about- <laughs> that's like a, a, a kiss on the cheek <laughs> from an go. angel. But, like, but I had a couple people send me voice messages. I was like, this is so much nicer. This was like- yeah voicemails, but without voicemails. It was just like, it was like, you know, 30 seconds, just hearing somebody's Isn't voice. Isn't it so weird how we've gone back full circle to that? Right. Like we're going to knock, we're going to do text, no voicemails. Yeah. And now you get voicemails. But hearing and the like, voice and especially if you don't expect it, yeah. is like, it's really nice. Hmm. So uh, I would say that I probably didn't pass in terms of like getting all of the days checked off. But I think in the macro, I think it was a super useful, even in my 
my, I wouldn't call it failure, but even in my not success, I think I learned a ton and I got a bunch out of it. Cool. Yeah. You? Did you just every day just return uh, uh, trash bins for your neighbors? Just <laughs> check that out. I did. I, w- I would call mine um, a C minus at best. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's probably where I would put me too. But I but. made and because I made it to day sixteen essentially and stopped tracking it. Mm-hmm. And the reason I stopped tracking it was because um, I would get to the end of the day instead of what what I was hoping would happen, which would I'd be looking for ways to proactively share kindness, yep. and it didn't become a part of my routine. Uh, it wasn't like a thing I was, instead I got to the end of the day and I went, yeah, what did I do today that was kind? Yep. So I was just doing my normal things and looking yep. for kind things. Yep. Having said that, I did do some things that I would not have normally done. Cause a couple of times I got to the end of the day and I went, damn it, I forgot. So I did gave money to, to a homeless person, you know, did other, um, random th- help somebody out on the side of the road, that type of stuff. But one of the ones that I thought was the neatest was one day I got home and after dinner, I was like, ah, oh, I forgot. And I was like, Heather, what should I do? Mm-hmm. And she was like, why don't you write a handwritten note to somebody? Yep. And I was like, who the heck am I going to do that to? Like, yeah. she's like, what if you do it to your grandma? And I have a 99 year old grandmother. And I wrote her a one page handwritten, which I've never done in my life. I've written her thank you cards. Yep. And maybe when I was like seven, I wrote her something, but I wrote her a, a, a thing and, um, and I, I felt very good and fulfilled from it. She got it and she um, was very moved by it. So that if if not for like that one thing, mm-hmm. that one aspect um, was worth the challenge. Yeah. Love that. All right. Folks, you can uh, reach out to us. Let us know how your 30 days of kindness challenge went. Uh, if you did it, if you got stuck, what you're going to take from it, what you're going to keep going. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, everybody, there for listening. Thank you for your ratings and your reviews. If you have not yet le- not yet left us a review, it does help. And uh, we'll try to get it into a future show, assuming you like us. Otherwise, we probably won't read it. Uh, thank you, everybody out there. We will see you next week for another episode of Chasing Excellence. <laughs>